All of the food we eat and much of the clothing we wear comes from plants and animals that are raised on farms. Farms are different in type, in size, and even in name. Welcome to Barn Talk. What happens at the barn stays in the barn, but not today. We're going to let it all out for you guys. Screw the intro. Today is an exciting day. Uh, if you're listening to this right now, farmergrade.com is live. Our pre-buy website, our direct-to-consumer meat business that we've been working on behind the scenes for a couple years now is live. You can go to farmergrade.com right now and buy a pork box that is directly from our farm, our pigs. Um, there's only 500 boxes available, so if you want a box, go get it now. The pigs are coming from our farm, going to an American butcher shop, and then uh, they're going to be going July 20th, and then we're going to be hand-packing those orders in our own warehouse uh, in August. So it's going to be pre-buy, so you're pre-purchasing. Um, like I said, been working on this for a long time, and uh, your support, your fee today, because I know we usually have a fee, but your fee today is head over to Farmergrade and support us there. If you want to support this show, support us, support our farm, uh, that is where your support would be greatly appreciated. And if you're listening to this, and you this is the first you're hearing about it, and you're like, holy shit, how'd these guys do that? Well, you are in luck, because today's episode is all about the origins of Farmergrade. So you will get all your questions answered, and... Like, like Sawyer said, go over to farmergrade.com. Uh, go ahead and put your email in because even if, I mean, we're hoping we sell out. We really, I'm, if, if we don't sell out, well, I, I might have to look for a different line of work. I guess if we don't sell out, the good thing about it is we will have the most well-attended farm auction of, in history because yep. everybody's going to know about it because it's going to go or it's going to blow. One yep. of the two. And then anyway, we're just going to be selling everything if yep, it blows. We're sell, selling it all. <laughs> selling so it all. That legacy yeah. <laughs> out the door. Yeah. It's not quite that bad. We're just doing 500 boxes. But uh, if, you, if you aren't lucky enough to get one of those boxes, put your email in because uh, we're planning to do this. Our goal is to get this to where uh, it's a regular it's a regular deal that you can get or meet anytime you want it. So and, stay tuned. And before we get into the good old-fashioned market update because we got to have one of those to make it an official Barn Talk episode. If you're curious on what's in the box, we have one pack that's about a pound of bacon. We got around a pound of cottage bacon. We got a pound of Italian sausage, a pound of breakfast sausage, uh, two to four pound pork roast, and four pork chops. So that's what's in the box. Uh, in the future, we'd like to expand into other cuts, but we had to do it for this box uh, to start. So that's what's in the box. And now, without any further ado, we'll catch you up to date with today's market report. You good? I'm You got I'm any great. last words? Nope. I'm great. I'm ready Farmergrade.com. Farmergrade.com. I think they got it. I think they got the gist. All right. It's an exciting freaking day, man. I'm pumped. It is an exciting day, and we'll get into it. But, I mean, this, this has been a long time coming and a lot more involved than what we thought it was probably going to be when we had this idea. So, uh, so this, is, this is probably the most accurate uh, market update that you've had in a while and the fact that we're actually shooting this in an evening. We haven't done an evening podcast in quite a while, um, and it's nice. We actually should do it more often because 
it's not so hot uh, here in southeast Iowa, and it's just pretty darn relaxing. And we've had, it's been a busy day, but we're trying to take it down a couple notches. So uh, the markets are running on lack of water. And until we get some water widespread, I think they're just going to keep running. So corn today closed at 671. You can get 712 at ADM in Cedar Rapids if you want to sit in line for however long, if nothing breaks down. Uh, 689 locally. Beans 1515 on the board. 1529 in Burlington. 1543 across the river in Quincy. Wheat 734. Bean meal $439 a ton. Hogs, $94.75 for July. And I wanted to say, I meant to say this last week, uh, I want to say that three episodes ago, ago, we were talking about the hog market and how basically the only person making money uh, right now is the grocer. And I made the comment, kind of a snarky comment, that uh, the grocers, they don't ever want to lower their price because once they get somebody used to paying you know, what they're paying, uh, they don't want to lower it because then when they got to raise it back up, everybody raises hell. And my friendly neighborhood grocer uh, caught my ear when I was in his store the other day and told me that that's, that's not true. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you the information he told me. So their chain of stores... They have a, basically, they have a margin within whatever they're paying for meat. So when they're buying their meat and it's at X for a price, as long as it stays so much above that or so much below, they don't change the price. But if it moves outside of that margin, then they adjust accordingly. So he said, as the price goes down, They'll lower it, and as the price goes up, they'll raise it. So there you go. So uh, in full editorial uh, honesty, I wanted to get that out there because I told him I would clarify that. Uh, cattle, $177. Feeder cattle, $227. Crude oil, $72. Uh, thanks to BlackRock, Bitcoin's $30,000. So it's been lollygagging around for a heck of a long time, and... Uh, it's very interesting because you can find all kinds of videos of the uh, the head the high garugis at BlackRock, Vanguard, uh, whoever you want to talk to in money management, just slurring the shit out of Bitcoin over the last five years, and as as just as recently as like a year ago, and then here a few weeks ago, BlackRock's well, well, you know what? I think we're going to launch a. I think we're going to get into Bitcoin, and the Bitcoin market responded accordingly, and we went from about twenty five thousand five hundred to uh, last time I checked, we were just over thirty thousand. So, hey, thank you, BlackRock, for helping me out there. Uh, Ethereum's nineteen hundred, Tesla's two sixty. Uh, I might have said this last time. Ford and Chevy both are going to adopt. They're charging standards, so you'll be able to charge your hybrid from those two companies at a Tesla supercharger. And Rivian came out just a few days ago and said that they're changing all their uh, vehicles that they're selling, which is a lot smaller market, but it just shows you the traction that Tesla's getting. Good things to come. Budweiser, I just like bagging on Budweiser lately, so I just left them in there. They were down a little bit today, 56.73. However... They just received a marketer of the year at a schmug little 
uh, deal they had at the Canes. If you've heard of the Canes Film Festival, they also have the Canes Lion Festival of Creativity. And Budweiser run one marketer of the year. So apparently the upper crust of the world, they think they're doing a hell of a good job. So, uh, And I will just end with this. My thoughts on with the Bitcoin thing is that I've had the... I've had the thought for quite a while that Bitcoin was going to grow and become more widely adopted just from the amount of digging that I did and people that I listened to and um, all of the all the research that I did and I basically developed my own conviction much 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 like I did, like I have with Tesla. And it's so funny because I would tell all of you that we always tell you this isn't financial advice, and we tell you that, you know, what we say, that's our opinion. You need to check it out for yourself. However, you know what? If you spend the time and you dig and you develop your own conviction about whatever the subject You'd be surprised how often, if you just wait long enough, the rest of the world will finally come around to, I think you call it common sense, but you just wait long enough and uh, they'll come around. And I I feel a little bit, I feel a little bit, uh, I don't know what, what the word you want to say, but I feel like, oh, yeah, well, see, I guess I wasn't so crazy after all. Now, granted, there's plenty of things I probably am crazy about, but... Anyway, I'm less crazy about Bitcoin today than what I was a few days ago. And that is the market update. That was great. I was going to chime in there and say, you're probably the first person that ever said thank you, BlackRock. <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> usually it's, it's the opposite. It's usually screw you, BlackRock. Or- you think BlackRock is uh, a, a, hog, a large hog farmer that will remain nameless, uh, but as a friend of the show, used to have a saying when Cargill was involved directly in uh, hog production, and he would make the comment that there's only two kinds of people, uh, those that have been screwed over by Cargill and those that haven't been screwed over yet. I think you might be able to throw that statement to BlackRock. I don't know. I, I bet you, you definitely pretty could. Pretty close, for sure. Not However, a huge fan. Not a huge fan of BlackRock. Farmer grade will never lead you astray. Nope, and they'll never have... BlackRock will never be involved. No, they'll never, never, ever. They will be involved. never sit on our board, son. If you're watching this 60 years from now, and if Farmer Grade makes it, don't be like Budweiser and sell the company and turn it into shit. Oh gosh, do not ever give a share to BlackRock, ever. We'll we'll splice that in for 60 years later. We should we should probably take this episode and do like they do in these little towns, buried in a what do they call that? A time time capsule. Time capsule. Yep. We should go bury this in Central Park. Yep. And if anybody asks us what we're doing, say, "Listen, this is <laughs> this is important shit we're doing here." <laughs> yeah. Get away from me, son. You you bother me. <laughs> okay. Well, that was great. That was a good market update, and uh, I'm excited to get into this one, guys. Uh, this is this is an episode I've been looking forward to for a while now, and it's been real hard to not let the cat out of the bag. You know, there's a few times in there when we were developing this, like, oh, should we do an episode? Should we should we put a box out just to just to tease it a little bit? And I was like, ah, oh, we can't do it yet. We can't do it yet. We got to make sure we got our ducks in a row. We got to make sure we got our ducks in a row. And finally. 
we got our ducks in a row, and it's just it, I'm just excited to get into it. When Sawyer says, you know, oh, we wanted to, what he's really what he really means to say is he's actually had Sawyer has a much better poker face than I do. Like I I'm just giddy about it, and you don't know how many times that we've talked about, um, you know, building an audience talking about you know all kinds of different stuff and talking about you know building an audience and then using that audience to further your brand with the idea eventually you're going to bring a product and i was like oh yeah i want to tell them about the product tell them about the product so i was like no we can't tell them about the product yeah which smart on your part because what many of you don't know is we were actually almost this close to doing this over a year ago Mm -hmm. and then we found out that there was a lot of things about the meat business that uh keeps people from getting into it Mm -hmm. and we ran into one of those snags and we had to wind her back so yeah i just guess i want to start out with just you know what is farmer grade why why didn't you just brand it this will do farm why isn't the website this will do farm.com you know why 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 not just stick to your farm well Farmer grade, the idea of it is we're a direct-to-consumer meat business focused on the story. We're, we're a story-based direct-to-consumer meat business. So a lot of the direct-to-consumer meat businesses out there really focus on the claims, not the story of the farmer. And when we started this, this podcast and the This Will Do Farm YouTube channel of showing what we do every day, uh, we started getting comments from people asking us, you know, where can we buy your guys' pork? What brand is on the shelves that possibly could be your guys's pork at the grocery store like we want to buy your pork and that got my wheels spinning because i always wanted to be a business owner you know you guys know if you've been listening to the show for a long time that you know farming's my passion business is my passion too and anything that we can do to make this farm viable for the seventh generation we're working towards that and i believe that this is a good add-on to the farm and so when that idea came into my head I realized that, hey, I'm not the only social media farmer out there. or We're not the only social media farmers out there showing people what we do, why we do it, who we are as farmers, and really just showing it how it is. This is what it is. We're transparent about it. And yet people still want to buy our product. There's plenty of social media farmers out there that are doing the same thing that raise livestock. And so Farmer Grade is really going to partner with all we're going to try to partner with as many social media livestock farmers as we possibly can here in the United States, give them the opportunity to sell their meat directly to their audience and their consumers, the people that support their farm. Because what we've, what we've found out is it's not easy to just get into this. When, when you're a farmer and you're making content, that's a job in itself. And to get into the meat business on top of that is challenging, really challenging. So we want to work with those farmers, give them the opportunity uh, to to directly sell to their to the to the people that support them. So that's what Farmer Grade is as a whole. We're going to really hone in and focus on the farmers that have a brand and have a story to and have an audience to sell to. That's that's essentially what the idea of Farmer Grade is. Farmer Grade wants to build. We want to build the infrastructure that yes, we can market, this'll do pork, but we want to work out the kinks and make it to where somebody that's creating content that is a livestock farmer can partner with us 
and we will we'll make it easy for them to where basically they just need to deliver their animals and we will do the rest. And we'll they, do the rest for them. And then they market it too. And then they help market it. And it's just, after being through everything, after going through what we've gone through, it's like there's got to be an easier way to do it. And um, that's something, <laughs> there's a reason why there's a few big players in the meat business because it pretty much has gotten honed down to efficiency and everybody wants big. And when you're not big, it just, we found out it's, it's very difficult and we've learned a lot. Yep. And, and I would say uh, what we're trying to do, like our big mission is we're trying to feed people in a way that's never been done before. And what I mean by that is just, I want to I wanna strive for farmer grade to be transparent from the farm to the butcher shop, to the warehouse, to the, to the consumer's door. Nobody's doing that. No other direct-to-consumer meat business is doing that. The grocery stores aren't doing that. So that's that's really the idea: transparency throughout the whole process. Um, and we're just going to pioneer the modern way of buying and selling meat through social media. And that's that is the why kind of behind what Farmer Grade is trying to do. That's the mission behind it. And and another thing that makes us different, what makes Farmer Grade different from all the other direct-to-consumer meat businesses out there is what I found throughout researching getting into this space. A lot of these direct-to-consumer businesses, they are nothing more than just a middleman. I'm not talking about the family farms out there that are doing it on by themselves. I'm talking about the big players, and I'm not going to name names because I'm not bagging them by any means because they're capitalists. They build a great business. A lot of them have, great, have built great businesses, uh, but it's just not the way that I, we want to build our business. And what they do is they... They go to a cutting facility or a warehouse that already has claims-based meat in that warehouse, and they just partner with these warehouses or cutting facilities, and they slap their label on it and throw it in their box, and then they throw it on their website and sell it to you. Uh, a lot of them are partnering with large integrators you know, that have a plethora of farmers under that, that integrator, but they don't really go directly to the family farm and buy that meat or buy that animal from them. It's, it's really just going to the integrator or going to a cutting facility and slapping their label on it. And that's okay, like I said, but I believe if we want to put the power back into the American farmer's hand, we need to go to these family farms directly and give them the opportunity to to market their own meat and, and really not have to be solely relying on the commodity market. Uh, that's what that's what's killing family farms. We we raise this product, uh, we put our you know our blood, sweat, and tears into it, and then we have to rely solely on the commodity market and the big packers on if we're gonna have have a have a life. And I, I don't believe that's I think we need to change that. I think there's change there and there's opportunity there to change that. Um, and I also want to say we're not buying fucking meat from Australia. We're not buying meat anywhere else besides here in America. We're only going to be working with American farmers and ranchers that have social media followings that are showing what they're doing. And I want this, I want this brand to really be American first. I want it to be an American first supply chain, American farms, American butcher shops, American warehouses with American workers. I really want to try to help the American economy 
And, you know, just like what we talk about on the show, we stand for America. We're obviously, we obviously love America. We're patriots here on this show. And I want Farmer Grade to reflect that as well. So that's what also makes us a little bit different. Yeah. And I'll just add the pork that we are selling is the pork we raise here. We're not getting it anywhere else. But I'll also tell you that we're not making claims about feeding these pigs walnuts or butter rubbing them in butter rubbing them in butter because we we know we know how good our pork is because we we butcher these hogs we these hogs feed our family and we raise the the pigs we raise are raised the way not 95 90 not maybe 99 percent of the pork that is raised in america is done and we get a really bad rap for it we everybody wants to beat us up and say you know oh you're doing it wrong and it should be this or it should be that no this is how we have done it because we want what's best for the pigs as far as environment but we also want to be able to feed the world and you can't do it on a little scale all over you just like you can't do it yeah and we're confident that our meat is every bit as good as anybody else's out there we want to showcase that Mm -hmm. and so that was part of the inspiration too and it's the same way with you know if we do beef with somebody if we do poultry with somebody we're not in this as a as a marketing ploy as a gimmick as a oh it's this or it's that no, it's the best practices available, the best feed available, the best genetics available, raised by family farmers, that this is how we're making our livelihood. Yeah. And that's what we want to showcase. And I, I, I also believe that we're not, I'm not up here saying that we will never sign a pasture-raised pork guy, or we'll never sign a pasture-raised poultry guy, or we'll never sign, a, sign on a grass-fed beef guy. Totally fine with that. But, like, that's what I want farmer grade to stand for. I want people to believe in the American farmer again that, hey, that farmer is doing what's best for them in their operation, in their geographical location, and I trust them because I can see content, what they're putting out, and they're, they're taking me along for the ride. Therefore, I'm going to buy their product versus what you're saying, trying to sell people just on the claims. I think there's way more to it than just the claims, and... I, I'm not opposed at all to buying buying pigs off a pasture or to sign a farmer on that has uh, pigs raised on a pasture or have a farmer signed on that raises uh, beef on grass. That's totally fine. That's why this brand stands out a little bit differently from everybody else because it should be up to the farmer. The farmer knows best. We're not a bunch of dumbasses that, you know, we obviously know what's best for us and our operation where we're at. And so does a lot of the other farmers out there. They know what's best for them, and they know what's best for their animals. So who am I to say, oh, you should raise it this way or you should raise it that way? You probably have a reason for why you're raising your livestock the way that you are, and that's cool. Keep doing that. Show people how you do it and work with us, and we'll help you directly sell that to your audience. That's all that matters. That's all I care about. This argument of, oh, you got to raise it this way or, oh, you got to raise it that way. There's so many factors that play into 
Like people want to take a, take a broad brush and just paint it and say, oh, all pigs should be raised in a barn or all pigs should be raised on pasture. There's so many factors that play into why some people raise pigs on pasture and can raise pigs on pasture and why pigs are raised in, in hog barns. There's a lot of reasons. Weather, uh, you know, transportation, logistics, uh, inputs, uh, feed, feed costs. Uh, weather's a big one. What yeah. the... What the um, what the landscape looks like. I mean, you can raise pigs on pasture in Georgia way easier than you can here in, in Iowa. I mean, you just especially can't. Especially in January. And especially in January. There's a lot more forestry down there. They can go in the wood lots. Up here, a lot of crop ground. Weather is absolute dog shit in the winter. Pigs, you're, it ain't going to be good. So that's, and that's another, and then there's other examples for row cropping too. Yep. Millennial farmer in Minnesota can't just strictly do no-till because his ground temperature isn't going to get warm enough for when he needs to plant into it. So he has to do some tillage. Versus here in Iowa, we're fortunate enough, our ground temperature gets warm enough and we don't have to till. It's the same shit. How a millennial farmer does it is probably best for him and his op- operation, and he knows that. And that's, that's, the, whole, that's the whole thing that we got to get, get across to people and get across to consumers. You can't just take this broad brush and just paint and say, this is how it should all be done. It, you fucking can't do that. You just can't. And the beautiful thing about it is, as we grow this, you're going to have that. Cho- you're going to have choices. Our goal is to let people have choices and let people support, let consumers support the people that they have a connection with. And that's the beautiful thing about the social media side of agriculture is... We want to give people the opportunity that not only can you, you know, you can subscribe to that channel and you can do whatever, but you can actually support those people outside of just like and subscribe and share. Yeah. And that's, I think that's awesome. It's super awesome. And I think what, what I always kind of had this in the back of my mind, uh, you know, we have something so special here raising livestock as farmers. We have something so special. Uh, you know, we're showing people what we do every day and, you know, you can sell t-shirts and you can sell hats, but, and you can sell merch. Merch is great, but we have something more than that. We have a process of showing these baby pigs coming into our barn, raising them up all the way to market size. And you'd be able to watch that whole process. And then the fact that you could be able to buy that pork product from that farmer is just unique. There's there's nothing out there like that on social media. You know, the fitness industry, a lot of fitness influencers or people that are creating content around fitness, they're not the ones just creating the supplements in the factory. They might create a supplement line, but are they are they like build are they raising that product and showing you building the supplement brand or growing the making the supplements? No. Say, I mean, that, that's, that's the thing. It's just so unique and so cool. And, and I believe that like this really can put the, put the power back in the American farmer's hand if you're willing to get out there and create a brand for, your, for yourself and show the consumer what you're doing on your farm. So I'll give you one other piece of this. When we started down this road, obviously you have to find somebody to process these animals. And I'll just tell you that when you meet, 
I don't know. Can I tell them who who's processing? I'm assuming I can. Can I? Yeah. So when you meet the crew from Milo, Iowa, that own Milo Locker, uh, you you're probably gonna you're probably gonna like them more than you like me because they are super good people, family owned, family operation, and that's what's great about this is because you are supporting us. But you are also supporting a small business in the middle of Iowa who does a great job at what they do, and they're excellent, excellent people. And it's that's how that's how you grow the economy in this country is by helping small businesses be able to make it. And they are a perfect example of that. And we are super happy to be partnering with them. Mm-hmm. And you know, it, it's that's been a journey, but it has. We we're very lucky that we got in touch with them, and so much of what we're talking about now. I don't remember what episode that was, but we did an episode, and I think it was 2022, and we said our lesson that we learned in 2022 was just ask. Okay, that reference is pretty much tied to this project mm-hmm. because at every step of the way we had no freaking idea mm-hmm. what we were doing like we didn't know what we needed for for anything we didn't know and it's so hard to find out and we literally to Sawyer's credit uh would call people up they didn't know from Adam and just say hey this is who I am this is what I'm trying to do can you help me yeah. And you know what's amazing? I don't really, I don't really know of anybody that wasn't willing to try to help you. Not everybody could help you, mm-hmm. but yeah, there was a few that there's a few that would shut you know wouldn't give you much. But there are a lot more good people out there than bad. Not bad, but a lot more people would give you the time of day than you think. Uh, and I want to say that I want to give a shout out to Angie and Daryl. They own Milo Locker, and you know. I would love to get them on the show someday and get them on here so you guys can meet them and talk to them because they are the epitome of what makes this country great. They took a chance on a on a kid with a dream, uh, and you know I cold called them and I got in touch with them and I told them my vision and they never shot it down. And I had bumps in the road. I had trials and tribulations. We had to reschedule one of our processing dates, and I had to wait for a couple months, few, probably maybe a year, to get back on their schedule because I had, a, I had a, a, a hiccup in the middle of this process. And yet they still gave me the opportunity and said, keep tracing your dream, and we'll be here when you need, when you need us. And that is, that is rare. That is really rare, and those people are amazing and i yeah we want to get them on the podcast so i just got to give a shout out to them um some of the biggest challenges that you know you might be asking well what are your biggest challenges this all sounds great and i'm kind of giving you the giving you the long-term goal and and, and vision of farmer grade but the challenges man there there's so many when you're going to start a business and i'm i'm sure i'm sure this applies to any business you're trying to start but when you're when you're going into the meat business and you don't know shit. I mean, every step of the way, there are roadblocks. You have people that shut you down that don't give you the answers you'll need. You got to have a USDA inspected facility to be able to ship out of state lines. There's very few of those. 
then you have to figure out, okay, well, how am I going to, where am I going to pack all these orders at? How am I going to fulfill these orders? Because they got to, we got to put the boxes, we got to put the meat in the boxes and ship them out. Trying to get a fulfillment center to do that, you know, when you, you realize that, hey, because that was originally my goal. That was probably the biggest challenge that I faced. Finding, finding a processor was challenging. Don't get me wrong. I had to do a lot of cold calling and figuring out who's USDA and who's close. Um, and luckily, luckily enough, we, got, we found Milo. But the, the biggest challenge was finding a warehouse or fulfillment center that was going to do this. And originally, I was planning on, okay, we're not going to fulfill all the orders in-house. We're going to have somebody else do it here in Iowa so that the meat will go from Milo to a fulfillment center. And they'll handle it all for us, and we'll pay whatever we got to pay to fulfill those orders. What I quickly realized was that your margin of, of making money on that box gets just disintegrated really, really fast because they put a, a handling fee on every step of the process. So not only do you have to buy the, the raw supplies that are going to go into every box, but then they're going to have to put a handling fee on top of that. And when you're trying to make this, this box pencil, it doesn't pencil worth a shit. And also what I figured out with most of these fulfillment centers is they are asking you, okay, well, how many pallets of meat are you going to bring us a week slash month? And my, my intention and goal through the whole process was we're going to do a pre-purchase because this is the only way I'm going to be able to get this started, get this business started. We cannot upfront the cash and have all this inventory just sitting in a freezer. We have to do a pre-purchase. And so when they were asking me how many pallets and I would say, well, I'm doing a pre-buy, they'd almost give you like a dumbfound like, yeah, we ain't going to touch you with a 10-foot pull, kid. Like that ain't happening. We're not. We're not. We're we're handling in volume. We're handling in pallets, and you're not. You're not that. So then, and originally I had I had a fulfillment center that I thought I was going to work with, but it fell through through communication and lack of communication to say, and just realizing that my margin was going to be changed up, and I guess not getting the the full story of what they could do for me. It, it fell through. And like I said, Milo stuck to their guns and said, keep chasing it, you'll find a solution. And so I had to figure out, okay, well, we're going to have to do this internally because that's the only way we're going to be able to make money, one, and two, handle our own destiny. That, I guess that was a blessing in disguise because we could, we could document and show the whole process in the warehouse, which was cool. Uh, but I didn't know where I was going to find that. And that was my last step I needed to get this thing going uh, was getting a warehouse. And luckily enough, just in the last uh, two or three months, so I had, I had, and it got to give you, I got to give you context. I had the box designed, the website designed, everything was ready to go. But then that fulfillment center fell through. I had a processing date lined up with Milo and then that fulfillment center fell through and then I had to reschedule. So I had all this stuff already built out, ready to go. So all I needed was to get a warehouse, get a warehouse and then I can get this thing going. And just about, I don't know, three months ago, three or four, three or four months ago, uh, we were lucky enough to find a warehouse in our own town that we could lease out. And, um, 
back to you just got to go over and ask and you just got to you can't be afraid to ask we went and looked at this at this building and they listed it for like six hundred and fifty six hundred and seventy five thousand dollars and we were like well shit we don't have that we can't. went out <clears throat> we went behind the house and we dug up all the cans <laughs> all and, the cans duke buried and it didn't come up didn't it we missed it by just I'm not going to say how much, but <laughs> yeah. we didn't have enough money to buy the building. Yeah. So we Well, hey. Let's let's talk about though some of that as far as the fulfillment center falling through. Some of that was actually a blessing in disguise. Because as you said before, there was so much that we didn't know. And we found out, we learned a lot. We learned a lot from the time the fulfillment center deal fell through until today. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, do you want to go into the changes that we made? I mean, you don't have to talk about name-wise, but the whole issue with... Oh, yeah. Yeah, so initially, I was going to call this business something else. Initially, I was going to call it something else. And... Yeah, thank God I didn't because I I don't know why I I didn't think of this. And well, this we is, didn't know it. another thing we didn't yeah, know anything about. Yeah, we didn't know anything about it, right? And this is just this is a this is a call out to anybody out there that's looking to do something like you know looking to do something on your on your own. You got to just take the fucking leap and go and learn and take action because it's the only way you're going to learn and figure things out. I'm a true testament to that because there we didn't know shit. We didn't know shit about anything. And so I had a different name, different entity that I was going to name this business. And I heard somewhere, I can't remember, I saw a video and they said, first thing you need to do, one of the first things you need to do when you start a business is you need to make sure that you can trademark that business. And I was like, hmm. <laughs> well, I realized that because I, I already had bought the domain, there was no social media profiles out there that had this name. Nobody was using the brand anywhere that I could find. Nowhere. And so I was like, well, I got the domain. I got all the social media handles. Nobody's using this. I should be good, be right? Fine. I'll be fine, right? And then you go and you talk to a lawyer about trademark, and you quickly realize that the trademark laws aren't what I think most people think they are. So I was going to call the business Honest Meats is what I was going to call it. And... What you figure out is if anybody has, you know, for my example, honest in their, in their name and then any meat product, they could have honest turkey, honest pigs, or honest pork, honest salmon, whatever. Honest tilapia. Honest tilapia. All of those things are meats. All those things are so, meats. Because your one word is honest, but your second word is a generality, and you can't you can't trademark a generality. In yeah. other words, you can't trademark meat. Yeah. So Go they ahead. so they own it, pretty much the lawyer had informed me that yeah, I wouldn't do that because you can get sued because somebody else has honest blank as a trademark and you can they can come after you in a heartbeat and they have first refusal to it. They they've been here first. They've had that trademark and he he basically said you'll be fine. Unless you ever make any money. Yeah, you'll just and, get sued. And we're not going to go into it all, but it probably would have made some difference as to who owned that trademark. Yeah. But the company that owned that trademark, 
they had you don't want to fuck got with enough them. money and it's a big enough company that they they ruin your like they got 30 lawyers on retainer that just sit around looking for something to do yeah. so it was a huge red flag but beyond that when you said you talked to a lawyer so we thought that you know we were covering our bases and we talked to our the lawyer that we use for a lot of stuff however we had never talked to a intellectual property lawyer and that isn't that what his specialty is intellectual property and trademarking and uh and registering and all that well when you talk to somebody like that you're like wow and so yeah so yeah i had to i had to change the name i mean i had to i had to totally pivot and change the name and figure out a new name and so that was a whole process in itself because like i said i had the website built out i had the design for the packaging already made I had the brand identity made, you know, what the, I wanted this business to be about. And a lot of the core foundation of what the business was is still farmer grade. The idea, the why, the, the reason as to why we're starting, what we want to do was the same, but we just had to change, change the name and change the branding a little bit. And that's how farmer grade was born. So that was, that was kind of the pivot I had to make. So just, that's the thing. Uh, like you have to pivot. Like if you want it bad enough, there are so many times I remember like, and people tell you this, if you listen to high level, you know, if you talk, if you listen to business podcasts or you listen to any business uh, creator or anybody you can get business advice, they're always going to tell you you're, there are going to be days where you want to quit and you want to throw your hands up and say, this is just not going to work. I'm fucking done. And you, you sit there and you go, yeah, yeah, I won't do that. Or yeah, it will come, but I'll be fine. I'm not gonna. Sh- I'm not gonna lie. When the fulfillment center deal fell through, and I had this processing date lined up, I had all this shit built out, and that fell through all the way to the floor, and I was, I was like, I have to cancel everything, and I have to go to the drawing board again. I remember feeling like, fuck, I want to throw in the towel. Like, I, I can't do this business. Like, I literally had those thoughts, and I didn't think I would ever think that. And like, I re- legitimately had those had that feeling and then i gave it a couple days and that's what i give my give advice to anyone out there that's trying to do do something similar try to start a business or has that feeling just give it some time because i gave it some time and i got back on the saddle and i and I went after it again because I knew that this is what I want to do. This was my dream. This is something I've been working towards and I'm not going to give up. I've gotten this far. I just got to keep moving forward and figure it out. And then a trademark lawyer tells me, you do not want to do that as your name. That is yeah. not what you want to do. Same kind of feeling. Fuck. Now I have to rebrand and spend more money on redesigning everything. Yeah. Same feeling. So those two things didn't happen like at the same time. No. When the fulfillment center fell apart we were like okay we got to pivot and our first thought was well we've got a big we got a big garage yeah and they sell chest freezers all day long yep and there's some guys there's some people on there's some youtubers that sell meat and literally they they uh they do drops and their entire warehouse is in a garage and they just got like 15 chest freezers and we were and we were like okay that's what we'll do we're gonna have to fulfill them ourselves 
we're going to have to go buy a bunch of chest freezers and we'll just have to make it work. And then then the trademark thing yep. came. And that was probably the lowest point in the whole deal. Yeah, that that was uh, it, it I don't know. They were both they're both yeah. pretty shitty. I'm not going to lie. Uh I think the fulfillment center was actually worse just because I had everything already scheduled and I thought I was I was so close to getting it, so close to getting it off the ground, and then it just yep. it fell apart. And so this was I already was kind of used to it falling apart, and so that just another just another right hook, and I was like son of a gun. But it's just a testament to when people tell you learn from your mistakes and never give up and never quit. And continue to push forward and just keep going. Like, I am a full believer in that now. I have seen that through, and I know there's going to be so many more roadblocks. Because I haven't even, the business hasn't even, I mean, it just launched today. But but just getting this business started, you're going to have right hooks and left yeah, hooks and right still, hooks and left hooks. We just hooks. still don't even know if anybody's going to buy a box. Exactly. There's so, there's so many things like that. But I just say... It's a testament just to never give up and keep going because you, and when you figure out, that's the, that's the awesome part. When you are at your lowest and you feel like, fuck, this is not going to work. I have to give up. I got to throw in the towel. And you wait a few days and then you, then you giggle back to the drawing board and you figure it out. That is super rewarding. That is super like, okay, we're good. We can we can push forward now. We can move forward. We we got that step figured out. Now what's the next thing we got to figure out? And that is just like that's it's it's a whole mix of emotions. But honestly, like I'm I'm grinning right now because I love that shit. Yeah. That shit is awesome. I mean I love I love figuring stuff out and building shit. And that that's the that is the hardest part about it. But it's the most rewarding part about it because you can figure it out if you just if you just do enough digging. Wait, in, wait enough time, you'll figure it out. Okay, so I don't want to get us, I don't want to get us, we're, we're at the point where we dug up all the cream cans and we figured out we don't have $650,000. Yes, but back to that. But yes. I think we should go back, because we left out this part, and I know this question's going to come up. Because anybody that spends any time with our channel knows that we contract finish pigs. So we don't own a sow unit where these pigs come from. We contract finish pigs for an integrator. And this is real, to me, this is a really great story too about just like just going, just kind of going for it because your idea of doing this has been rolling around Almost from Years. the time we started the YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. And it was one of those things that we just had this conversation that like, oh man, if we could just sell, if we could just sell our pork, if we could just sell our pork. And then it kind of morphed into farmer grade, like being as we talked about. And you actually like started down the road and putting the pieces in place and finding somewhere to get these hogs processed. And then we said, we said, okay, it looks like we can do this. Uh, what are we going to do if our integrator says, what? 
hell no, we're not going to sell you. We're not going to sell you our pigs. And so talk about that. Talk about that story. Yeah. Cause I, it's a great, I think it's just great. And I'm, we're not going to, if you follow us at all, you're not going to have to work very hard to figure out who we actually contract feed for, but it's not my place to throw their name out there. So we're just going to just, we're not going to, but anyway, talk about like, remember how nervous we were. Yeah. I mean, we were like, Oh boy. I mean, I made a whole, I made a whole pitch deck. I made a whole pitch deck. Uh, just, I'm took, I'm spent hours on making a pitch deck on how I was going to present this or how we were going to present this. And so yeah, I mean that that was the biggest like back to you got you got to just ask. That was like one of the biggest asks. So we called uh the the sh- you know the guy running the show or one of the guys running the show down there uh at the, that was who's our integrator and you know they know we have this social media brand, they know we have this following, they know we've been showing people what we do and we we call them, we set up a meeting. I've, I've, we worked on the pitch deck, and like Dad said, Dad and I had been sitting. You don't know how many conversations we've had in this barn. We've had in the workroom of our of our hog barn, sitting on a bucket, just throwing this idea around: how we're going to do it, what it's going to look like, how we're going to do it. These are the steps we got to do. Like replaying this over and over and over again: how we're going to do it. And we finally get down there. We sit down. I start get up. I, I I sit there and I'm going through the PowerPoint, talking about what I want to do, how we want to do it, all this stuff. And we get to the end of the presentation, and the guy, the C the CFO, the CFO just looks at us and he goes, "Oh, you just want to buy the pigs out of your barn?" Well, so his first thing was his first thing was so he's like, "So you are you wanting us to invest in this or or what?" <laughs> yeah. We're like. No, no, no. We just want pigs. And then we just like, want to buy the pigs out of our barns that we raise. And he's like, oh, yeah, we could do that. No problem. <laughs> and I was like, he said, no, shit, you didn't even have to go on this this pitch deck for he actually 45 said he goes, minutes. He, he actually said he was kidding, of course, but he actually goes, oh, I'm just I'm just happy that you actually uh, are willing to pay us. that you weren't just going to take the pigs and then tell us that you were that you this many extra like you're short. Yeah. Yeah. That but was the thing was we were there for over an hour. We were probably there over an hour and we're we're building this up and we're building this up. And Sawyer and I are just. Like we're pretty damn stressed about it because if, like that's if if that if they say no if they say hell no, then you are totally back to square one and then you got to make the decision. Okay, do we believe in this so much that we either go, like we figure out how we're gonna buy into a sow, excuse me, a sow unit to get our own pigs and go down that road and make this massive investment or do we just kill this dream and so on one side of the table we're just like it's kind of sweating bullets and on the other side of the table i think that he was just thinking oh man these guys want us they they want money they want yeah you know, they want us to invest <laughs> yeah. in it and when he said that and we were like oh no no it it was like it was not even a thought. He yeah. was just like, "Oh yeah, that's fine. No Whatever. problem. No problem." And I was like, "Oh my gosh, all that, all this for for so long. Oh, all this for that. All this for that answer." And I could we could have probably just walked in there and just said, "Hey, 
could we do this? And yeah. they would have probably said, yeah. And I will say this. Um, we are we are so blessed to work with that group because I know from our channel there are people out there that comment on our stuff that say, you know, they feed pigs for whoever and, you know, they're not even allowed to take their phone in the building. Yeah. And they have allowed us Which to is shoot. dumb, by the way. It is, but, it, you know, it's it's some parts of our industry come at it from a they they come at it fearfully and some of that's rightly so but um some of it's misplaced but we've been allowed i mean we've been allowed to you know if you've seen it we shoot loading pigs getting pigs in moving pigs we've done videos about what happens when pigs die you know every everything and they've been great and this is just another example i mean there's a lot of people that they could have just as easily said no. Yeah. Um, and yeah, a, bit, a lot of, we got to give them a shout. Yeah. I mean, just big thanks to them. Cause yeah, seriously, just great people. They are great people. Okay. Another takes great people to make great things happen. And they're oh, one of the, they're one of the great people that are, we have the luxury industry. to work with, uh, just as much as like Milo Locker, same deal. Uh, we're just fortunate to work with great people and that's what it takes. That's what, what it takes. And I mean, I just want to touch on that point. I mean, you know, we would be lying to you if we said that, you know, one of our goals would be if we got this going enough where, you know, we were selling so much damn pork that it was just absurd. The idea of raising our own pigs and taking them, buying shares into a sow unit is definitely on the table. And I would think that our integrator would understand and they, they probably know that. They're not dumb. Um, but that's... That's something that we want to work towards as well because, you know, we want to control our own destiny too and we want we want to, you know, we just want to do that. Uh, it, it, You know, it's more profitable when the years right. are good. Right. But that's just something we want to work towards too. So uh, that's, that's in the works. But back to the warehouse. Yep. So we go and look at this building. $675,000 it's listed for. And Dad actually sent me this post while I was... It was over Thanksgiving break or Christmas break of last year. Or no, this year. Yep. This year. So this was winter. Dad sends me this listing, and he's like, this business went out of business. They're getting out of here. 1,500 square foot cooler. Walk-in freezer. freezer. And I was like, oh, man, that would be awesome. And then we see it again. It it got listed, and and we call a realtor, and we're like, we want to go look at this. We want to go look at this. When can we go look at this? We go look at it, and it's in winter, right? It's yep. winter time, and it's listed for six seventy five. And we're like, "Holy shit! There's no way. There's no way we're going to be able to make this thing pencil. We're starting starting a business, even if we rent it out because there was an office space there. Even if we rent out the office space, we rent out this and that. It's just not going to pencil. Plus utilities on top of that, um, just not going to work. And so." There is a construction business that sits right next to this warehouse. And this warehouse has a huge parking lot. Huge parking lot. And so, and we're fortunate enough to know the owners of this construction business. And so, Dad and I (laughs) go, well... Let's go across the driveway. (laughs) Let's go across the driveway. Don't be afraid to ask. And we walk in and we just go, hey... 
you should buy this. Yeah, pretty much. We say, you should buy this. And they didn't even know it was for sale. Yeah. They, I don't think they knew. Because it, it, it just, we literally, yeah, it had just come on. Yeah. I think maybe they might have known because I think the old owner came in and told them that they were leaving. Okay. But it was, it was fresh, really fresh. And they were thinking about purchasing it, maybe, per- potentially. And we just said, hey... If you guys go over there and you purchase that and you use the parking lot for whatever, we would love the opportunity to lease out the freezer and some of the some of the space for packing orders. And we left it at that and we left. And like I said, two, three, three four, months. three, four months ago, got the call. They bought it. They closed on it. They gave us the opportunity. We're leasing that building now. We're leasing the office space. We're leasing the freezer space. We're leasing the packing room. We're going to pack the orders. And... It's just season opportunity. I mean, that's the other thing, guys. Uh, you gotta, could you gotta go seize opportunity? I mean, that's that was one of those things that. Oh. You know, you could have just threw another example of just throwing in the towel and say it can't, it's it can't work. We're not going to do this. Yep. But you just gotta think outside the box and you gotta go. We can we can find a way to do this. We can find a way to do this. How can we do this? And. We seized it, and we went and asked, and it ended up working out. And thank God it worked out with those amazing people because they are also some amazing people. They own an amazing construction business, great family-owned business, and very fortunate to have them as our landlords. So just crazy shit. I mean, this this is what the epitome of business is, though. This is what makes being in the trenches hard, but like I said, it's rewarding. It is rewarding. Because at the end of the day, we are so much better off than if it would have worked out at yes. the very beginning. Yes. Because. thousand percent. One, if it would have worked out with that fulfillment center, I don't think we would have ended up making. I don't I think, think we would have lost money. money. Yeah, we would have lost, lost money. We would have lost money and been like, well, this wouldn't work. Because Got sued. would have nickel-dimed it. Then if it would have worked, I have no doubt that we would end up being sued because of the fact that we are really uh, we are really hell-bent on leveraging the social media. So there's no scenario that I don't think somebody would have found out and been like, well, what are these fuckers doing? Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. and then the other side of it is, now we think about the, the, the quality of the content that we're going to create because you are going to be able to follow the journey from our barns to the locker to the fulfillment. We're our own fulfillment facility. It's our family that is going to fill your orders. And just that, that circle, that connection between you, the consumer, and all the steps that brought that animal to meat to a box to your door so much better than if we would have gotten it all to work and yeah the other way around yeah yeah it, it's special i mean i i feel i feel like you know when i you know i i think this is a good form of capitalism i talk on this show a lot about how you know there's corrupt businesses and corrupt businessmen out there and there's some businesses out there that don't do a lot of good for society but this is one that I feel good about. This is one that I feel like, you know, I could dedicate my life to this business. I, I really could. I, I might be getting the car ahead of the horse here, but I'm not ever, if this, if this works and it, it goes and, and, it, and it, 
it pans out. I truly believe that I want to dedicate my life to building this business because I think it provides a lot of good to the world, to America, to the world, to farmers, to the consumer, everybody. I feel good about it. And uh, it, it, it's, it is really special. And I, I feel like we can really make a difference, not, not only here in America, but just, just the meat industry in general. I think it's, it's, it's really cool. So, and that's what you got to do. I mean, you got you to gotta try to create a business that, you know, is different and is providing, is doing something different for the, for the benefit of humanity, for the benefit of, a, of wherever you're living. So I, I feel really good about it. So this, this, more than anything else that we are doing, you've heard me say that, you know, it's really awkward when you go to sporting events or graduations or whatever and you run into people and casual acquaintances and they say, oh, hey, how's it going? What are you guys up to out there? <laughs> and, and you want to go, well, <laughs> we're starting this direct-to-consumer meat business and what we want to do is we want to partner with the biggest the biggest online content creators in the ag world to bring meat direct to consumer. And then you think like you think that all through your head and you look at that person and you know that if you say that, they're going to look at you and go, ah, uh, all right, well, yeah, good talking to you. So instead you just go, ah, uh, not much. Yeah. Sure hope it rain. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you go on your way. Yep. I mean, it's just... This has been rolling around years. Yeah, and it's it's, it's kind of all-consuming. So one thing that I uh, really sticks with me, and it was from a guest that was on our show, Marshall Yonda, future Hall of Famer, played played for the Baltimore Ravens for o- over a decade. Um, he said that he thought about football every 10 minutes for almost two decades. From the time that he was in high school playing football to when he retired in the NFL. And that is, you know you want to do something and you know you're passionate about something when you do exactly that. And I, I've had to, I have thought about this business every 10 minutes, every day for years because it, is an, it has become an obsession I go to bed dreaming about it. I go to bed thinking about it. And that's when you know that you are going after something that you want, that you're passionate about. And it's true. Like, seriously, this has been a dream for a long, 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 long time. And I'm just, I'm excited that we're here. We finally got here. Now we just got to make it work. Right. Just got to make it work. The du- like, I don't want you to sugarcoat anything. I don't want you guys to think that we're on the fuck. We think we're on the mountaintop that we got this thing started. It's just getting fucking started. No, we're actually just to <laughs> yeah. the mountain. Yeah. We've just made it. We've just parked the car. <laughs> yeah, we've made and it. And hiked our way yeah. to the base of the mountain. Yeah. Is pretty much exactly. where we're at. Exactly. Because, so talk about, talk about all of the things that are behind the scenes so when you decided that you wanted to put meat in a box, that sounds pretty easy. We're going to get these pigs. We're going to get them processed. We're going to put them in a box. We're going to ship them to people. 
talk about like just the amount of steps and people and just like the conversations yeah. that we've had about tape. Yeah. Yeah, I mean there are so many small things. Like you can sit here and you can you could strategize the general things that most people can think about when it comes to a business, but it comes down to the nitty-gritty details. You got to be obsessed. You have to be you know, I am not an attention to detail person when it comes to cleaning the house, but I am an attention to detail kind of person when it comes to packing tape, when it comes to what the website looks like. One little thing, you have to be obsessed. You have to be detail oriented and like how much dry ice you put in the box for, to where it's going in the United States. That matters. Do you want the product to show up thawed out and raw? No. You have to think about those things. You have to think about shipping rates. Different zones in America have different shipping rates. How many days can it get their ground? How many days is it going to get there today? How much is it going to cost for ground? How, many, how much is it going to cost on today? You can't ship your boxes out on Thursday or Wednesday, or I wouldn't even ship them out Tuesday because if it gets stuck, if, if it gets stuck and they don't get it to the person's door on Friday, it's going to shit sit in a warehouse for two days on the weekend and your meat's going to be fucked. Those are all things you have to think about. And, you know, the tape, you have to make sure that uh, if you want it brand, do you want your tape branded? Do you want your box branded? How much is it going to cost for a branded box? How much is it going to cost for a generic box? How much is it going to cost for regular tape? How much is it going to cost for branded tape? Uh, dry ice regulations, do you have to slap a warning on your box? Do you not? Um, sales tax. Sales tax, you have to think about sales tax. Um how you stack your meat in the box, what kind of liner are you going to use in the box? How is it going to how is it going to stack up? It has to be tight cuz air dry ice dis, dis, dissipates not because of temperature but because of air. So the more that your your package is packed tight, the better that dry ice is going to hold up. All these things. And nobody tell nobody tells you. No. So we have ordered I've ordered <laughs> I've ordered probably uh, five. five to six uh, uh, direct-to-consumer meat businesses boxes. Competitors, <laughs> then, competitors' boxes. Yep. And literally, Dad and I, I called Dad and I said, you got to come over here. We got to do this. We got to figure this out. I put a GoPro on my, on my light over my island. Um, and, and we unpacked We them. unpacked the box and filmed it. And we literally got a scale out. And we put how much did the box weigh? How much dry ice is left? How much meat is actually in there? What's the liner? What are the packing materials? Do they have inserts? Do they not? Do they have a dry ice warning? Did they ship ground? Did they ship today? All this shit. I mean, because nobody will tell you. This. Nobody's going to tell you. Nobody's going to tell you shit. And it's just what the, the statement that, you know, you can give everybody all the information that you could possibly give them, and yet most people will quit. Is true because there, most people cannot stick it out and do the steps necessary to figure shit out. They give up too quickly. But that is the shit that you have. Like, if you want it to happen, you have got to take your. You got to take it into your own hands and make it happen. And like that is an example. Yep. I said, "Fuck, I don't know." So I'm going to order from Everybody five box. different companies and I'm going to figure it out. I'm gonna, and I'm going to ask questions because yep. you can't be afraid to ask, but some people won't give you the answers. Right. And 
I mean, there's just so many small things that go into any business, but well, and this the is details, just another example. The details, the, make no mistake, so the difference between actually making money and not making money, it's not in the cost of the meat, and it's not in the cost of processing the meat. The difference is all of those little things, like... Mm-hmm. How many boxes do I have to buy to get my best price per box? How many rolls of tape do I have to buy? So then you got to make the decision. Okay, well, are we going to be able to sell enough boxes that we're going to do another drop? Because if we can buy this much of whatever, it's this much better that it helps our margin. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the thing. The devil is in the details, and yeah, it... Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And another detail that we're, we're leaving out, and you might be wondering, well, how, why do you have the specific cuts that you have in your box? Oh, yeah. That's well, this huge. is probably the biggest, this is the, one of the most important details, a part of the box. Um, so when we made out, went to make this decision, you have to think about, okay, we're going to do a 500-box drop. We're only going to do 500 boxes because I didn't want to get overwhelmed. I didn't want to be able to just give free range to anybody that wanted to buy a box because I don't want. I want to do my best. I want to. I want to dip our toe in the water. I want to make sure it's done right and not be just bombarded. So we set that limit first, and I knew that I was going to do a pre-buy the whole time. I knew that was the only way this business was going to get off the ground. But you have to. You have to figure out. Okay, well, we're going to do one curated box that's going to be the same and we got to sell 500 of them and we got to make sure that every customer gets every cut of meat that they're all the same that they're all that they're offered and that they're all the same but on the flip side of that we got to make sure that we're going to use as much of that pig as we can because the disadvantage that we have as a small farm when you think about a big Packer, literally today, when they say that they use everything but the squeal in that pig, they're 100% right. So all of the parts of the pigs that you and I would say, I'm not eating that, there's somebody around the world somewhere that they love that and Mm. they want it. And so when that pig is processed, there's, there's no waste. There, I mean, there's a little but it's very little. Okay, when you're, a, when you're a small town locker or processor, you can't ship the head of that pig to Indonesia or Thailand or wherever that the, the snout and the tongue are a delicacy. So in other words, for us, we had to try to figure out, okay, what cuts can we do that we're going to use as much of the pig as we can. And we can make sure it can fit in 500 boxes and everybody gets the same amount. Plus, you got to make sure that your pig is big enough. We had to plan out the date. Also, you got to you got to know what is meat what is the average yield on a hog. You got to know these things. You got to know how many pounds of meat can I expect per pig, right? I mean, these are all things that you you have to figure out and like that's why we picked the specific cuts in this box that we did because we have to use the loin. We have to use the shoulder. We have to use 
the belly. We have to use all these things in the pig the best that we possibly can. We knew we couldn't, oh, it'd be great if we could sell baby back ribs. Yeah, it would, but you sell four half racks of ribs because you got two racks of ribs and each pig, cut them in half, you got four. Well, that only equals out to 200 racks of ribs. There's 500 people buying a box. You can't put ribs in 500, all 500 boxes. Everybody wants a pork. It'd be great if we could ship y'all a seven-pound pork butt. Yep. Because I, I love to smoke a pork butt. However, can't do that only on the, two of those in a pig. Yeah, yeah. can't and do so that. And so you know, that's our goal. Our goal is to get this to the point that we're just processing pigs out of every group, and we have... We have enough volume that at some point we can a la carte. At some point we could do a barbecue box that's uh, pork butt and ribs yep. or something like that. But you got to walk and, before you run. And Yeah, and subscription. Another goal, like if you're asking, well, can we do subscription? Can we buy a la carte? Can we buy whole halves or yeah. quarters? I mean, all those things are something that I'm interested in doing, we're interested in doing. It's just that we got we to gotta walk before we run. We got to walk before we run. We got to become profitable. And I'm a big believer in I don't want to take VC money. I don't want outside capital. I want to be a profitable business and build the right way and not have to, be, to behold to anybody. Yeah. And so this is the same. We're going to bootstrap this. Yeah. This is the same reason why. Well, it's why we're not. This podcast isn't sponsored by anybody. I mean, it's we want to be independent. When it comes to this business, we did not want to go borrow money, and we did not want to take investors. And and I won't. I won't do. I won't do either. Borrow money, maybe on a line of credit, because if you're buying livestock at any, I mean, it's it's that's kind of the business that you got to do that sometimes. But when it comes to investors, I am not a fan because once you get on the VC train. You can't get off, Lose. and they behold you are beholding to whatever they say, and that's not something that interests me uh, at all, at all. So, yeah, I mean, really, our goal would be great to do subscription, to do a la carte, to offer offer whole halves and quarters to people, and to partner with as many as many social media livestock farmers as we possibly can, and really give them give them the power to. To take their own to take their own destiny and put it in their hands, and to give the American consumer a quality product that has a story um, to help the American economy. I mean, there's there's so many things, but we want to sign as many farmers as we possibly can on. But we got to walk before we run. We got to become profitable. We got to be able to build out this will do farm pork first, and really see how that goes, and really you know test the waters and if it if it works and it goes and we work out the kinks inside the warehouse we work out the kinks with our processor we work out the kinks with distribution distribution and logistics signing on another farmer i would love to do it i would love to get beef in, involved in the mix i would love to get poultry involved in the mix so if you are a livestock farmer that is on social media or if this podcast gets sparks interest in you i would love to work with you i would love to work with you we'd love to work with you farmer gray would love to work with you uh, we want to we want to partner and we want to we want to put the the power back in the American farmer's hands. So we want to be a part of that part of that journey. Our goal is to make all the mistakes on our own stuff. Yeah. So that when we get to that point, the producer has a fantastic experience getting their their meat to market, 
and our consumer has a great experience being able to buy multiple uh, multiple meats from different producers. Yep. And we figured the best way to do it was do our own first, make our mistakes, figure it out. I mean, pretty much every, if, you, if you've watched us for any time, you know that this whole deal, we just figured it out. Yep. Trial and error has gotten us a long ways. And yep. um, you can do, guys, you can do anything you want. Like, when I say that, you could fucking roll your eyes, but, like, you can literally do whatever you set your mind to because we are guys. We're, we were kids that grew up in southeast Iowa, a town of, I don't know, less than 10,000 people. Yeah. And we didn't know shit about podcasting. We didn't know shit about creating content online. We don't know shit about a meat business, yet here we are, and we're doing it. And it's because we're going after it and we're not quitting and we're learning from our mistakes and we're, we're, we're researching and going out there and, and finding the answers. And it's just pure drive. It's just pure drive. I was not the smartest student. I was not the most gifted athlete. I was not the most intelligent person in the world by any means when I was a kid. Neither were you. I was just... I was just gonna think, say I was gonna say some line of bullshit like that I was, but no, you shot me in nope. the ass. Well, I did shoot your ass, and you know it's true. <laughs> no, it is true. It's you a thousand percent. It's a thousand percent true. And like, we're not cream of the crop. Like, there's no cream of the crop. It's literally just putting your head down and going after what you want, man. Yeah. You can create it, and especially in this day and age, you can do it. You can do whatever oh. you set your mind to. We. The amount of we say this all the time. So fucking go for it if you're yeah. if you're thinking about it. Because the amount of knowledge that is out there for free, and some of it you gotta really dig. You really do have to dig. But holy cow, I mean, we the the rabbit holes that we went down on on boxes and tapes and fulfillment centers and shipping and just everything like we didn't know how do you move that meat like mm -hmm. figuring out the crates that you use to put the meat in to put on a dolly to get it from the pack from the from the processing facility back to our warehouse uh, who do you call like okay you got this freezer does it have to be inspected who inspects it who do you call do you need a license i mean all that stuff we just found that out from online and calling and calling and calling and asking and asking. Seizing asking. opportunity. You have to seize it. You got it. And you truly, you got you to gotta want it. I mean, yep. you're just not going to put in the time. You're just not going to dedicate your, your life to something if you don't want it. I mean, it's just the truth. And if you want it bad enough, you will make it happen. When, when people say that, they mean it because it's the truth. If you want it bad enough, you will find the answers and you will work at it and you will figure it out. You just will. Yep. And like I said, we haven't done shit yet. We're just getting to the we're just getting to the Grand Canyon. We haven't done nothing yet. We just getting to Mount Everest. We haven't done shit yet. But uh, you know, hopefully by by the end of this podcast, everybody's already bought a box and we're sold out. <laughs> I haven't yeah. checked my phone yet. Yeah. But um I guess last kind of couple things, you know, what I, I wrote this question down, or I wrote this point down. You know, what happens if farmer grade fails? You know, will you be devastated? I will obviously be devastated because this is something that I've, I've been dreaming about for forever. 
But what I've already learned just by trying to get this business started, the skills that I've acquired, the confidence I've, I've built in myself, the, the relationships and the, the gumption to cold call people, like just so many things uh, that I've learned, those will stick with me forever. And I'm sure that what I learned for this first, from this first drop and all these other drops and working with farmers and working with whoever, like all those things, yes, if it fails, it would suck, but I'm going to find another thing to go after. I'm going to tell you that right now because I'm not going to stop and I'm not going to quit. And I love business and I'll find a new avenue to go down and I'll take the skill set that I learned from, from something that failed and I'll apply it, excuse me, somewhere else. And that's, that's my mindset. So it could fail, but I'm going to love learning everything and I'm going to love the process and I'm passionate about it and I'm, I'm giddy about it and that's not going to change. So I'm going to do everything in my power. We're going to do everything in our power to make it successful. And if it fails onto the next thing and I'll take that skill set and I will make whatever is next work, but I don't think there's going to be a next. We've already learned. I mean, the amount of stuff that we've learned from this it's yeah i mean if we were to go do something else not even in me if we were to do some something else if we decided all right well that that deal for whatever reason which i can't i really can't like i i don't know i say i sit sorry i sit here and i say i'll move on to the next thing but we're embedded here yeah it's it's different i mean we're far this ground has been in our family for six generations like making this meat business work, I'm going to, like, I don't think I'm going to quit. Like, I, I genuinely don't think I'm going to quit. It's a product that everybody, most people eat is meat. Like, it's a consumable product. We just got to find the way to, to make it work. And so I do not see this failing. I'm not going to let it fail. I don't, I'm not going to quit. We're going to find a way to make it work, whether it be retail, whether it be wholesale, whether it be going to restaurants, farmers markets, direct to consumer. I don't give a shit. We're going to make it work. Yep. We're gonna if we got to change the farming operation up to make it work. We're gonna make it work. We are going to make it work. And something that you you found this out in when you were researching, which I think is pretty neat because farming is one of the few businesses that is a generational business. Um, and you know it's harder and harder to keep it going. But the food business is really interesting in the fact that. What's the what did you say? Uh, Most like, of the biggest businesses in the food industry are are privately, privately held. held businesses. They're family owned that have been hundred year holds. Therefore, they do not sell the business to anybody. They're they they don't they don't have BlackRock come in. They don't they they're privately held. They're family businesses and they build them for Longevity. centuries. I mean they they build them for centuries. They're holds. Um, and so that's the thing about consumer products. Uh, grocery stores, meat, uh, grocery store products. Margins are tight. Margins are tight, but it's a consumable product. People always need it. And so having a whole, like, that's why I say, if that, you know, I could dedicate my life to this business because I feel like it's something that has longevity and it's, you're doing something good for the world. You're feeding people like you're genuinely feeding people. It's, it's an amazing thing. So yeah, that's, that's kind of the stat. 
hundred year holds, privately held, family owned business. Some of those, some people don't like some of those those family businesses, those big food businesses. Yeah. But right. it's just the matter of fact. Yeah. Uh, last thing that I'd say, and I wrote this down because I was just kind of thinking of it. And this is we're not experts in this field by any means, but how do you balance your time between farming and running farmer grade? Not very well. Uh, <laughs> this is something that, honestly, I've given some thought to, but it's one of those things that it's a battle every day. It's a battle every day trying to, to uh, make the most of my time. And my biggest fear in life probably is not being able to dedicate my time. I don't want to wake up. I don't want to be like the movie Click where Adam Sandler just Fast skips forward. through his life and wants that promotion, and then he finds out after he hits the button that it's 70, or it's like 30 years later, and he wakes up in this office, and he finally had the promotion, and he's, and he's rich as fuck, but his kid walks in, and he realizes that his kid and his relationship is shit, and because he just spent his whole time just dedicated to that, to that promotion, and he doesn't have a relationship with his kids, and he, like, wants to fast forward and go back in time, and so, like, time is one of those things that, I want to do I want to do something great. I want to add a lot of value to society and and provide value to the world, but at the same time you got to have time for your family, you got to have time for your friends, you got to have time to enjoy your life. And so like I want to work hard, I want to farm. I I still want to farm and do this business, but I think the only way that I'm going to be able to, we're going to be able to balance it all is partnering and hiring good people and bringing on good people to be a part of the team and that's that's what it takes that's the only way that great things happen is great people and so that's the only way i see us being able to balance it all right now getting it started and still farming and still chewing the pigs and still doing the podcast and still creating content i'd be lying if i said it it was it was easy it, it's really not that easy and it, it i don't have i mean dad and i've said it on this this podcast before and I'm just keeping it real. I don't have any hobbies. Yeah. I don't. I I spend time with my friends, have a good talk with them, grill out, drink a beer, maybe go go camping and I go maybe go on a trip with them once a year. Cat and I since we've been together have never gone on a vacation together. Uh I go to the gym. But I don't I don't play recreational basketball. I don't go fishing. I don't go hunting. I don't do these things. And I'm not saying anyone out there that does those things, good for you. You probably have way better work-life balance than I do. But like, this is what it requires. This is what it requires. And I'm willing to sacrifice now to benefit later. And I love, like, I don't want get to it, get it twisted. Like, I love doing this. Yeah. It, so, it, this is my, like, this is my hobby. Farming and doing the social media and trying to start this business and, and hopefully run this business someday like that's that's where my fire lies i think that's that's my passion that's the hardest for me that's the hardest part and for it's hard for people to understand because and it, it's hard for people to understand even within your own family i think because we're busy all the time and there's always something that needs to be done and we don't love doing all of the things, but, man, we do love, like, 
for me, I love, I love doing it all. Yeah, I there's do individual things in each part of it that I don't like doing, and and so that's what makes it so hard. Pe- like it's one thing to be tied to a job, and you don't like that job, and you don't want to have to go there, and that's drudgery, and that's a whole nother deal that you know that's a that's a really that's a bad place to be but i think the the problem that i have is it's really hard to keep that balance when nobody's twisting our arm to get up and get after it we just love doing it yeah and when you love doing it it's really that much harder to balance it because i want to Like, I want to be flexible and be able to go do things with the rest of my family and, you know, go on trips or do whatever. But, man, I'll be, I don't, like, I just don't do very well. I'm I'm good for a few days of doing nothing. And, man, after that, it's just like, I just start jonesing because I got to get back to it. I'm kind of wired. I'm. Wired and kind so, of the same way. So I, I don't know. I, I'm just, I'll be honest. We're just not very good at it because like we talk about it within our family. And so, you know, Sawyer's brother, Clay, he's the same way. And we all sit around and um, we all just, we have that passion. But then we all three will sit and talk about, you know, uh it'd be nice to slow down. Like we talk about, it'd be nice to slow down and nice to, you know, take a vacation as a family. And we, but none of us really want that. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's like, I think, yeah, I think we will. I think we, we, we do, we do, but yeah, I think it's back to what you said. I mean, I am the same way as far as sitting on my ass and not doing anything. It's just, it gets, you, you only do it for a certain amount of days and you're like, okay, we got to, we got to do something. We, you know, I can only do this. There's no, there's no fire here, you know? Um, I guess. Yeah. And I, I, to anybody out there, like, I am not saying that this is, pro- this is probably not like the way for everybody. It shouldn't be the way for everybody. If you're not wired that way, do not feel like we're attacking you and saying that you need to be wired that way at all. That is not what I'm saying at all. That's not what we're saying. Yeah. I am just saying like, this is how we're wired. There are days that balance. That it is. There is no balance. There's no balance. But most days, I wouldn't want to have it any other way. And that's how I'm wired. Some people, they would say, "Fuck that! I don't want to do that at all." And that's what makes yeah. people different. And that's good. If everybody was like us, it might be a shit show out oh, there. Man. Be- <laughs> might be a shit yeah. show out there. I think what it all comes down to is you really got to get to know yourself. You got to know yourself. And you also have to, you also have to keep yourself in check for the rest of your family. Yeah. Because, I, I mean, I will be if 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 my wife was sitting here right next to me and she wasn't uh, petrified of being on camera and does not ever want to be shown, she would say a hundred percent that I have an unhealthy work uh, work life balance. And it, it just is. And um, 
<laughs> I make time for the things that I know are important to her, and I enjoy that because I know that she enjoys it. Yeah. And you have to do that. And you do the same thing. Yeah. I mean... Well, and I will say this. What also makes me love the idea of being in the, in the meat business or just food business is the best times that we spend as a family is around a, a dinner table. Oh, 100%. The best, most uh, heartwarming, most uh, memorable, most uh, just the best times that we've had as a family is around a dinner table. No matter if it's at a restaurant, no matter if it's at mom and dad's house, no matter if it's at Clay and Corey's house, no matter if it's at our house. Like, food brings us together and... No matter what craziness is going on in our family's life, like that is the one piece that we can come together and share a meal and like talk about each other's day, catch up, talk about the crazy ideas we got going on, like connect. And like that's why I also feel like this is so important. This this business is so important. And and nothing can bring people together better than farmer grade. <laughs> Shameless plug. Well, I was just going to say, uh, <laughs> geez, dad, <laughs> you're funny. So that, uh, that box, you might be wondering what, uh, what farmer grade, why, the, why farmer, like what's the, what's the name stand for? And when we were coming up with the new name, um, I want people to kind of think about, you know, when people say military grade, Military grade ass shit is some high quality fucking shit. Like, oh, that's military grade. I want people to look at farmer grade and go, that is some farmer grade ass shit. That is good shit. That is farmer approved. That would be that would be served on the farmer's dinner table to serve to his family. That is farmer grade shit. That's farmer approved. And that's what I want that shit to stand for. I want it to be like just kind of like military grade, just on the ag side. So that was kind of the the meaning behind uh, yep. the the name and the the logo farmer grade kind of a stamp of approval it's the stamp of approval yep that's right well speaking of stamp of approval yeah i think that if we were going to have a farmer grade if we were going to have a farmer grade whiskey why not have it be eagle rare we haven't done eagle rare it's that's some high quality and we're going to taste it I don't know what you're going to talk about while I'm pouring it, but you tell the folks what they can do to help us out while I get this <laughs> okay. ready. I hope you guys have enjoyed this episode. If you've made it this far, just know we love and appreciate every single one of you guys. We couldn't do any of this without you. We couldn't do Farmer Grade without you. And uh, if you really want to support us and our farm and this podcast, head over to FarmerGrade.com and buy a box of meat. That would be the best, the most, I would appreciate it. We would appreciate it so, so very much. Um, and if I hope, you know, to be honest with you, I hope it's sold out by now. But if it's not, go get yourself a box. How was that? I think I was good. I mean, it's, this is just another, farmer grade is just another example. I don't know if, if example is the right word, but we are, and I speak for pretty much the whole Whistler clan, we are incredibly blessed because, you know, we started a YouTube channel and 
it that's been great and I've enjoyed it. We all enjoy it. We started this podcast and this podcast has grown way beyond our wildest expectations. And I mean, I want to do this thing for as long as I can because I love talking to all of you and I love hearing what you think uh, when you comment. And now we're we're doing this and how great is it that we've been able to do what we're doing and we're just getting started. Yeah. And, and it's all because of it's all because of you guys. I mean, I know we got to you got to put out good shit for people to listen to it, but for you to take time out of your day to watch or listen to one of our shows of us uh, two dumbasses sitting in a barn talking talking shit. It's it's really cool and and we do like sincerely we do really appreciate I really do appreciate it because it it is special and we do we do value it a lot. Like we get as much out of this doing it as any as, you know. I I hope you all get value from it. We get a lot of value f- yeah, from it. It's a lot we of really fun. Do. It's a lot of fun. So, cheers to all of you and cheers to Farmer Grade. Yes, sir. <clears throat> That's pretty good. That isn't bad. That isn't bad. Yeah, so Eagle Rare is another Buffalo Trace product, and uh, they kind of they kind of built their own juggernaut. That's pretty good. Yeah. Ten years. Uh, I don't know. Was it 80 proof? I don't think it has a proof statement on it. But uh, it's good stuff, and it's – I'll tell you what, Iowa sucks. Iowa sucks when it comes to whiskey. And I think any state, part of it is whiskey has gotten into, in fact, Buffalo Trace kind of, I think, started this in the fact of getting whiskey kind of allocated and holding it back and making it scarce. But, man, it's hard to find good whiskey. Well, I shouldn't say that. There's a lot of good whiskey out there. But the bottles that you see that you're like, wow, I'd like to try that, Gosh dang, they're hard to come by. And if you want to buy them on the secondary market, I'm sorry, but it some of that shit's just crazy. So anyway, Eagle Rare, I would recommend it. It's I would I would recommend it too. I you know I usually you can just tell by my facial expression on how good or how bad the whiskey is because yeah. the the worse it is, the shittier my face looks. But that one was not bad. I think yeah. my face actually was pretty decent on that one after I took the <laughs> yeah. shot. So it's pretty smooth. It uh, is. It's, quick, it's pretty smooth. I'd say. And and let's face it, I'm not an eloquent. Yeah, we're uh, not whiskey. I wouldn't reviewer. add that to our resumes. No, it's not. Uh, I like whiskey. You know what? I like what I like about whiskey is it's. It's unique and it's 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 a very American thing and and all these companies have character and it's you know it's just neat. I like finding new bottles and it's it's got it's, history to it. Yeah, exactly. That's what's cool about it. It's kind of like uh, farming in that way. Yeah, bit. but I'll say that's a that's a smooth whiskey and it's but it's a quick finish. It it doesn't have, it doesn't linger very long. But no. it's it's dang good. I agree. So if you like today's podcast and you want to know more. Where can you know more? You guys can head over to farmergrade.com and you can pre-buy a box. July 20th, the pigs are going to the processor, getting the meat back in early August, and then we're going to start hand-packing those orders and send them out to your door uh, in August. And if you want to watch the whole process of this, 
you can watch it on our YouTube channel, This Will Do Farm, where we are going to literally document the whole entire process from the pigs leaving our barn to go to the processor, to go to our warehouse, to fulfill the orders and send them to your door. We're going to show the whole thing. Transparency, baby. So go get a box. We love and appreciate every single one of you guys. And we will see you back here next week for another episode. Thank you very much. Uh-huh.